Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Get Invested. Today is Tuesday, October 6th. Have Ben Dunbar and Brett Siffling here from Gerber Kawasaki. Today we are going to be talking about what has been very much in the news lately, uh, taxes uh, and death, the only two things that are certain in life. So uh, first and foremost, we want you to start off with a disclaimer today. We are not necessarily talking about individual companies, but we are talking about some different strategies regarding investing in real estate, tax implications, stuff like that. Uh, And just know you do not want to take anything from this podcast and take it as advice and act upon it. Um, Feel free to call us. That's what we're here for. We actually just uh, started a tax division here at Gerber Kawasaki. So it's it's a good time to actually call us and ask us questions about it. So with that, Brett, why don't you start us off and, and kick us off with a little market update? Sure. So we did, um, you know, if you listened a few weeks ago, we talked about the market correction that we've been going through and the market, you know, dipped a little bit more after the U.S. presidential debates, um, as well as Donald Trump's health scare um, due to COVID. Um, now that the president is actually um, seems to have recovered and is out of the off or out of the hospital, um, the market has shot back up and we're actually only about 5% from all time highs again. And so what we did was someone actually sent us some really interesting information that looked at the impact of significant presidential health events and what happened to the equity markets during this. So we looked at, you know, things like FDR's death in office in 1945, the Eisenhower heart attack in 1955. We looked at the Kennedy assassination in 1963, the Reagan shooting in 1981, and also Reagan's cancer surgery in 1985. And after looking at all of these different events, and obviously this isn't a huge sample size to pull from, um, we pretty much yielded a similar conclusion, which is that the trend of the actual stock market ended up carrying on despite any headline volatility around like each specific event. So while it's scary, you know, to a lot of people and, you know, the market does not like uncertainty, um, it didn't really mean much. And we're seeing this, you know, rebound, um, which is exactly, you know, what the research showed. So, um, you know, no one knows exactly what the appropriate comparison is here, um, but we can really just defer to the market's intuition over our own in this sense. Um, in some other news, we had some, you know, beaten up oil prices recovered. Um, it's a brutal industry to be in um, to the start. I mean, we that's why we prefer to invest in things like renewables. Um, some interesting stats I heard on this was the oil and gas industry right now is actually going through its fastest rate of layoffs in the history of the industry. So, you know, if prices remain around you know $45 a barrel, they're saying that maybe like 30% of jobs will be recovered by next year. But in the worst case scenario where prices fall to around $35 a barrel, only 3% of these jobs are going to recover in a job market that's already tough to be in. So, you know, this is why, yeah. again, we you know invest in things like solar renewables um, and you can kind of see the tale of two cities here you know solar is up the etf tan specifically up about 123 percent year to date which is you know incredibly um you know tells a different story than the energy and oil market which is down so much so you know let's kind of jump into more of you know the trump story specifically around his taxes ben what's you know what's the story here so We had uh, some information from Trump's tax returns um, released from from the New York Times. And what we found is Trump has hardly paid any amount of federal income taxes over the past 
I think 11 of 18 years. Um, even the past couple of years, you just paid $250 each in federal income taxes. So there's a lot to uncover here. Um, but I think what we're here to focus on more than anything is showing how um, tax efficient and uh, your ability to tax avoid um, is possible when owning real estate. There's there's a little bit more to the story than just this. We are, we are definitely simplifying it. But... Um, but that's kind of the starting point is, is Trump was able to avoid paying very much in federal income taxes at all. So what you're saying is owning real estate, in a sense, is, can be very tax efficient. Yep. Look, there's clearly uh, a history of a lot of real estate people as lobbyists in Washington and a lot of wealthy people owning real estate. So um, our tax code does make it very beneficial. Official um, tone. So we're we're going to talk through a few a few examples here, and, and it's very different whether you own your um, real estate for your personal residence or whether you own um, whether you own your real estate for commercial, like you rent it out or anything anything like that. Gotcha. So what if you actually like own your own home? What are some advantages there? Yeah. So if you own your home, there's a few things. So. Number one is if you own your home and you have a mortgage, your interest on your mortgage up to 750000 is tax deductible to you. There's a little bit more that goes into taxes of itemizing your deductions versus taking the standard deduction, but uh, your interest is goes into your calculation can save you money on taxes um, if you do own your home. So when you look at the payment that you're making every single month, um, part of that payment can be deductible to you. Also, depending on how much money you make um, and if there's state income taxes in your state, it's possible that your real estate taxes uh, are deductible for your home as well. Um, in California, it's, it's typically not really the case when you put, um, put everything together. So that's number one. Number two, this is a big one. So if you are single, you own your home and you live in it, you lived in there two of the last five years and it's appreciated, right? So because of COVID right now, we have all these people that are moving around, hey, I don't wanna live in this city, I want to go have some more space. You have couples who realize that that little one bedroom apartment in the city is a little tough for both of them to, to work in. And so you're, you're seeing a lot of people move. Now, if you lived in your house two of the last five years as a single person and your house has appreciated less than 250,000, you pay zero taxes on the sale of that home. Zero taxes. Okay. If you're married, that amount is 500000 Okay, So if you buy a house for $600,000, it appreciates to a million dollars and you're married, you pay zero taxes when you sell the house. A common misconception is that you need to reinvest that money into another house. You don't have to do that. You can actually go and you can go rent a house. Um, so for some people that have seen this large appreciation in real estate, it is interesting to them because you can unlock this money tax-free. Now, if your gains are more than that exemption amount, so let's say you know, you've owned your house for a really long time, let's say you're married and your house is appreciated 700,000 um, over the course of however many years. Um, 500 of that 700,000 you don't pay taxes on, and then that 200,000 is subject to long-term capital gains, which is, also a favorable tax rate, actually. It's a lower tax rate than your ordinary income taxes. So um, there's a lot of tax advantages there in owning your home. Um, and, it's, and it's a little different, uh, obviously, if you, if you do not live in your home. And so, you know, I, 
I think that most of Trump's um, you know tax advantages weren't necessarily from the home that he lived in, correct? And like most people don't really own like golf courses or hotels like this guy does. So like, what can people actually do? Yeah, great, great point, Brett. So so this is not really what Trump is taking advantage of. So. Trump owns and slash inherited a lot of real estate assets. And so here's the pretty crazy thing about real estate that happens. And so we'll, we'll kind of work on it on an example and we're, we're using really rough numbers, making a lot of assumptions here. Um, but what happens in real estate is in, when you buy a property to rent it out, you usually still get a mortgage. So, you know, let's say you buy a $500,000 property and you put 100% or you put $100,000 down, you have $200,000 or $400,000 mortgage. Um, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna try to rent this thing out. So your mortgage based on what rates are right now, somewhere around 2000 a month, maybe you have another um, $500 a month in uh, taxes and uh, homeowners insurance. So, your total payment's like $2,500 a month in this scenario. Just again, real rough estimate. So let's say you rent this place, okay? So let's say you rent this place right now. Let's say you're cash flow positive. It's really hard to do that right now and have a place be cash flow positive, uh, meaning like you make more than what you spend, but let's say you put some work into it and uh, it looks pretty good. So let's say you are taking home $3,000 a month in rent. Okay, so your total expenses are $2,500, you're making $3,000 a month, okay, you're making $500 per month. So in theory, you have $6,000 of additional income, okay? If you look at your paycheck that you're getting normally, you see, hey, when I have income, I pay taxes, okay? Every single paycheck, you have social security taxes come out, you have uh, your state income taxes come out, you have all these different taxes come out of your paycheck. With Real estate with this, you know, you're not working through a payroll company. You're basically collecting this income and then you have to reconcile come tax time. So you're probably thinking, okay, made $6,000. There's probably some taxes that I have to apply there. But here's what you get to do with real estate. Okay. So this place that you bought for $500,000, because there is someone that's quote living in it and uh, it's quote, uh, depreciating what's called depreciating the asset, like reducing the value, then you get to write off that depreciation. Okay. So what happens in this scenario, you're, let's say the land that you bought the house on is really worth a hundred thousand and the house that you own is 500,000. You get to basically say, okay, some of the value, uh, of this house is lost because of that. So this isn't money that you see come out. It's not cash flow, but it still is quote an expense. So here's the thing, you get 3000 in income, you're paying $2,500 in expenses, the depreciation expense is going to be over that amount of money. So you're gonna have more expenses than income come in. So guess what? You don't pay any taxes on it, okay? That depreciation is an expense for you, okay? So I'm gonna kind of pause and let that sit a little bit. So now let's, let's fast forward a few years of owning said property, okay? You've locked in your mortgage rate. You've locked in a lot of these expenses and yes, tenants moving out, there's probably other expenses, but you know, fast forward 10, 20 years, 
your rent has probably increased, okay? You're making more money from people living in the house. Maybe you put a little work, you added another ADU, uh, accessory dwelling unit, and you have some more income that this property is generating, okay? You still have depreciating, the depreciation helping cancel off the assets, or excuse me, helping off, helping cancel the income. So you're still paying minimal on taxes because of that. Now, let's say you decide, okay, I wanna sell my place, okay? So I've depreciated, I've depreciated, I wanna sell my place. The government says, okay, since you depreciated the asset, since you took a write-off, when you sell the place, you then have to pay taxes on the gains and you basically have to pay, you You have what's called depreciation recapture and you have to recapture what you wrote off. So let's say you wrote off the place down to 200,000, you try to sell it for a million, that $800,000 is taxable to you, okay? You do not get the capital gain exemption, okay? Now, <laughs> there's a catch, okay? And what is that catch, right? So you're probably hearing, okay, you depreciate it down, but then you're going to have to owe taxes later. But how can you potentially avoid taxes? Well, there's not a way to technically avoid taxes. Uh, if death comes, you can, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, you can't avoid taxes by doing that. But you can do what's called a 1031 exchange. So let's say you don't like your property, you're, you just don't like that area anymore. Rather than uh, just selling your place, paying taxes, you can actually do this 1031 exchange and you go and buy a more expensive property and you don't have to pay taxes on that gain. You're deferring your taxes. And you know again, the, the, the real estate people win again. So you're saying on one side is like if you depreciate your asset all the way down and you still choose to sell it, you're eventually going to have to pay the taxes. And that that's the thing. So even if exactly. So if you do this 1031 exchange, you're still just deferring taxes. OK, so this place could be worth, you know, you keep doing this over and over again. And it's possible that you have these assets that are worth a couple million dollars. But what's called your basis is is like a hundred thousand. Um, so yes, if you sold that, uh, you have to pay taxes, but you know what you could do instead is you could die. <laughs> well, right. Since death is certain, what happens then, Ben? What happens is, is when you pass away, you get what's called a step up in basis. Okay. What is the step up in basis? So this applies to stocks as well. So a step up in basis means your basis, it, the technical term is step two basis, meaning uh, whatever the basis is in your property, in your asset, at death, your beneficiaries inherit the market value of that basis. So in this scenario, okay, your basis because of all the depreciation of these places is 100,000. It's really worth 2 million, okay? If you just hold the property till death and your beneficiaries inherit that property, they pay no taxes even if they sell the property at death. Now let's say at death, the place uh, it's at 2 million and let's say 
for a year. Siblings decide what to do and the place appreciates to 2.1 million. They're only paying taxes on $100,000 of gains. So you get the step you get the step two basis. Usually it's a step up in basis because assets over time typically appreciate. So with real estate specifically, this is what is absolutely crazy. So you have these write-offs all the way down over the course of 20 plus years, okay? And then your beneficiaries inherit the assets, they get a step two basis, and then guess what? They could do it again, right? So it's been estimated that Trump inherited in today's dollars over 400 million bucks, so much in real estate, and he's been able to depreciate these assets that he's inherited and other assets that he's purchased um, over multiple periods. And so these are expenses that he get that he doesn't see, expenses that aren't cash expenses that he can use to offset his other passive income that comes from real estate. Now, you can't use this to offset your regular W-2 income. So don't listen to this and be like, oh, I make you know, $100,000 a year and I buy a house and I don't have to pay as much taxes on my normal salary. That's not the case. But so what, what the government has done to kind of avoid this continual passing is they, they have enacted a long time ago, I don't know offhand, but uh, the death tax or the estate tax. Um, and what that means is if your estate is over a certain level, then you do have to pay taxes anyways. That being said, there is a million ways to avoid um, paying much in death taxes to reduce your estate and things like that. Um, and so right now, as long as your estate's under 20 million, this doesn't even apply. If you're married, it doesn't even apply to you. That's absolutely wild. Um, but it does make you know a lot more sense once you kind of look over Trump's tax return. You know, so many people were... Um, you know, saying that he must have, you know, defrauded or you know, lied or something when a lot of the, you know, professionals that are looking at his actual return, it's, you know, a very common thing that's used by many, many people all over the US. Yeah, that uh, the one thing to add that is worth it to note is he is under audit for certain expenses that he has. So, so much of his tax return is this depreciation of real estate assets, but there, he is under audit. He's been audit, under audit for multiple years. There's stuff come coming out that he had fifty thousand in expenses related to a haircut and stuff like that. <laughs> and so, it, 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 it because he's under audit, we still don't really know um, the truth um, regarding everything and if everything is legit. But yes, like a lot of these, a lot of these real estate people, especially ones who have inherited assets from others pay substantially less in taxes than people who are working a regular W-2 salary job. That's true. It's, it's really interesting. And if you guys do have, you know, questions on taxes or tax planning too, like please do reach out to us. Like Ben mentioned at the beginning, we started a brand new uh, tax and accounting division here at Gerber Kawasaki. So thanks guys for tuning in. Don't forget to you know follow us on social media as well. Um, at B Siffling Trades on Twitter is where I post out a lot of my content. Uh, ben is at Ben Dunbar GK. You can also just email us directly, uh, Ben or Brett at GerberKawasaki.com. So thanks for tuning in guys and looking forward to chatting again next week. Thanks. Thanks.